0: Welcome back to Electric Entertainment Podcast, episode number three. Already, wow, we're um just moving right along. We've had some really good discussions about all things 70s, 80s, 90s. Uh, really, our hearts lie in the 80s, but but we're kind of right around there. Um, this week. Uh, we're, episode 3, we're really heavy into the 80s, so we'll get to that here shortly. I'm Chris, uh, one of the hosts, Ryan's with me as well, the other host, and we're here to talk all things 70s, 80s, and 90s entertainment, uh, be it TV shows, movies, what have you, even some music probably that we'll, uh, we'll definitely throw in the mix, but we're here to talk about entertainment. And the way we like to enjoy our entertainment is through physical media. Now, there has been some things in the news recently that Ryan has uh, mentioned to me, and and we're going to talk about a little bit here shortly. But carrying on from the conversation that we had in episode two with the big announcement and the movie that we're excited to see this fall during the Halloween season that should have been out Last Halloween, except we had uh, this pandemic that was upon us hot and heavy through last year. Now that we're uh, kind of moving out of that, a lot of vaccines are out. People are getting vaccinated, and we have definitely come on the backside of COVID, let's hope. Now we are excited to have the opportunities to get into the theaters and to the big screens so that we can see the movie that we've all been waiting for this fall during Halloween season, and that is Halloween Kills. If you have not checked out our last episode, episode two, we covered Halloween Kills in that uh, because during that episode we had recently had the trailer drop and man are we excited since then we've had some additional halloween news of halloween 1 through halloween 5 getting a 4k release from none other than scream factory themselves and that release uh, set to be put out on the streets, September 28th. So we are leading up to a very exciting time for the fall with Halloween upon us. Ryan, what were your thoughts on the announcement of, we we already know your thoughts on the announcement of Halloween Kills, the movie. Um, We're stoked about that. But what did you think uh, when you see the 4K drop of Halloween 1 through 5 from Scream Factory?
1: Hey everybody! Yeah, so when you sent me that, you know, it got me really excited. It was a big announcement because they drop it kind of right in the middle of the summer, so it gets everyone excited for the release. And coming out on the tail end of September, that's right around Halloween's month, October. It's uh, it's a a huge. I think it's a huge step forward in this Halloween franchise because over the years, Halloween has seen many. Blu-ray releases, so they've gotten a lot better scans of the films. Uh they've started doing more recently they've been doing a lot of anniversary releases. I know I have a, a I have a really neat 35th anniversary copy of Halloween on Blu-ray. I love the cover of it. It's got a side shot of Michael's mask and it's just etched out. The artwork is just I I love it. It's amazing. Uh they've released in years past Also, an entire Halloween collection, which you were able to score, uh, which I'm a little jealous of. You were able to snatch one up off, uh, I believe you said it was eBay, Uh,
0: but you want to touch on that? I luckily was able to get one, not at the price they sold them for back when they were first released, because I think it was, I don't know, it it was a decent price, but it's a whole box set that takes you from uh, the first Halloween of 78, up until uh, Rob Zombie's Halloween 2. I assume at some point in the future, I don't know, I may be wrong, because I I know there's licensing rights and difficulties because these movies are owned by um, a lot of different production companies and trying to get the licensing to put together a whole set that encompasses all the movies is very difficult. I was actually surprised they were able to do it back yeah. in 2014 when they put that set out. Uh, but yeah, I was lucky enough to get one. I, and not that long ago even, and even though I have that with the 4k out now, I've been building, um, my collection of 4k movies in physical form. And, and I was on this as soon as it, I, I seen it was going to be announced cause it got leaked at first. And, um, yeah. I was, I was super excited. I, I kind of thought they might, uh, Try to get the rights for the rest, but there's there must be some issues of, of being able to get those past Halloween 5, but I was st- still super excited to get 1 through 5, and as soon as they announced it, uh, jumped on and, and was able to get those, even though it was very difficult because their site kept crashing, which is telling me that there's a lot of people out there that are still collectors of physical media, which is, which is very cool. But the new ones, um, I've got it pulled up right here. These are actually new scans, new 4k scans for 2021 that goes back to the original negative. So that's pretty cool. We've not seen those original scans like that especially in this quality of a scan and also adding the dolby atmos track to it i think these are going to be just super high quality films that we're going to experience halloween one through five at least in a new way that we've never experienced them before yeah you know um
1: i just want to touch real quick on so those five that you mentioned they they released in that Four K collection one through five. Those are honestly probably the those five films are probably the core films of the Halloween franchise because
0: Yeah, I I think um probably along with I, one, I, one through five, I, guess, I would say six is as well. I know yeah, there's a lot of people I, that don't like five.
1: Right. Why I say the those one through five is the core films, it's because like the continuation story that started in four continued over to five and then it veered off because 6 was a completely different story, and then 7 was Halloween H20. So, yeah, yeah I, I can kind of consider those first five the the core the core uh,
0: films of that franchise. Yeah, I think it'd be cool if they were able to land the rights for the rest of them to yeah. do, come out maybe next year before Halloween ends. And maybe that's what their plan is. Maybe they'll do 1 through 5 and then cover the rest of them next year before the release of, of Halloween ends. Gives people time to really enjoy the movies and and not necessarily put them all out in in one big box set but if you look at the releases themselves they come in a uh, what i believe is a hardcover type slip and are loaded with the special features that were on uh, the release that they had put out in the full box set so it's got the 4k it's got the blu-ray and then it's got uh, loaded uh most of them, I believe, have another uh, disc that's loaded with another Blu-ray disc that's loaded with special features. So that's pretty cool. And the the what blows me away is the artwork because each of those
1: films have their own individual artwork, and that's what just stands out.
0: And they for all a color, for a they all match too. They're all that fall really makes you feel the fall with the the changed colored leaves the the yellows and the oranges it really makes you feel like that halloween time frame and in the fall which is very cool
1: it'll be a a, definitely a a good piece for uh, any collector for their collection so i'm very jealous that you were able to snatch one up
0: yeah well i think any and i haven't been collecting stuff very long but i was really kind of I I had been looking for a long time because I think Halloween is probably my favorite. um, Definitely one of my favorite films. Probably the favorite Halloween film uh, or Halloween time frame horror movie uh, with Halloween. But even franchise. I really like the franchise of Halloween. So I was kind of bummed I didn't get it at the time because back then I wasn't really collecting a lot of uh, physical media and really not a lot of horror uh, movies. And then started collecting kind of last year more heavily. And then I, I realized they had this full set out. And, and I remember seeing back in the stores, cause there's like a 10 disc set as well of all the movies, same movies, just doesn't have as many feet, special features. And I know you could get those for like 25 bucks at the time. Um, and then they just skyrocketed cause they were out of print. So yeah, I was lucky to get that. Um, I'm happy to be able to get these on 4K because I, I just started collecting 4Ks because I got a couple 4K players. So I'm really, um, really excited to kind of see what the quality looks like and the sound, uh, both visually and in the sound for these new movies. So can't wait for them to come out.
1: And that's another thing, too. When things go, because we talked about it, uh, when things go out of print, when they're not available anymore, that's when people need to look at and see what they have and what they own because yeah. who knows just like a certain just like it goes with a vinyl record or a comic book you don't know what you have in your possession that might be out of print that might be worth you know a pretty penny so it's
0: crazy it, yeah it's crazy what some of the i mean they're collector items too i mean you're getting you're getting a film oh, yeah. that snapshot in time like a lot of what we we collect a lot like we talk about are from the 70s and and 80s that's that's a a film lasting that long in these kind of boutique labels and and even some of the bigger bigger uh producers (laughs) and studios and providers of physical media i mean they're putting out good stuff but these boutiques really go go out of their way to 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 load these up with special features. And, and you really learn a lot when you own that collectible film, because you learn a lot about the film itself through the special features that they provide. So uh, yeah, you, you would be surprised at what some of these films go for. Cause both these boutique labels only get a limited amount of uh, production, rights, So they're limited to the amount of uh, units that they can produce and sell and once they're through that number, they're, they're done. And then that's what yeah. makes those a collector's item and make them hard to get when they're out of print like that. So supply and demand right. kicks in and, and these, some of these go for uh, pretty high prices uh, at times when, when you can't access them through uh, the, the shout factories or stream factories or whatever, whatever other boutique labels. So I would say these films in 4k will will go out of print at some point and be pretty well sought after and, and likely come with a, a high price, unfortunately. Yeah. So you were telling me something. Uh, so that's our Halloween news. Uh, it seems like every every episode we got, we got something new. Who knows, maybe the next episode we'll have another, epi- or another trailer that hits the street for Halloween Kills. I don't know. I'm still super excited for that movie. But you were telling me something that you read about Universal Studios can can you sh- share that with our listeners I know that is a recent announcement that they put out here here what just a day ago yeah uh it was I think it was came
1: out yesterday and I'd read it uh, this morning when I was at work but it's kind of a kind of a big piece of news kind of a bombshell for uh Universal Studios so they announced uh that they with their partner, the streaming service Peacock, which is owned by Universal, they announced that any films being released by Universal Studios in the future being released uh, in theaters, four months later, they will just four months after they've been released in theaters, four months later, they'll be available to be streamed on Universal's Peacock streaming service. Hmm. So I find that very interesting uh, because I like we kind of talked about a little bit that opens up obviously for people, the consumer to view these movies a lot quicker and a lot sooner than when, cause some of these films, yeah, they typically when they get released in the physical media form, they, it's usually a later, a later window. So, um,
0: yeah, that's if people. That's interesting. Cause like, um, I, I pulled up an article and, and was looking at this and sounds like it's going to kick in, to effect in 2022 and they've got a, a deal or an agreement that no later than four months so some of these may go from theater to streaming in an even shorter time frame so i'm wondering like if they're doing that I, I i hope that we universal puts out some really good stuff right so they've got like new jurassic world movie coming out they've got movies we're going to talk about here shortly with with our topic that is of today are a lot with universal studios. So I'm wondering if like they are trying to get people to get on those streaming services, get the streaming and also right. make make money from the physical media cuz I really don't see universal steering away from physical media at least I hope not because they've got a lot of high quality movies that uh, are in in great great quality in 4K like I recently picked up Jaws I picked up ET, all in new 4K format, all universal and I mean I, I wonder if they're doing that where they're trying to get people on the streaming services but also making yeah. money from the physical media but like you said um, maybe coming out at a later date than we typically experience with um, on the physical media side, you're you get you watch the movie and then you wait months before you actually are able to go to the store, pick it up or rent it from a red box or, or whatever that that you rent movies from, because we all know we don't have movie rental places Anymore, um, but I'm wondering if they're doing that, where it's like we're gonna we're gonna hit this in the big theater and then right shortly after put it on streaming. That way we get people signed up to our services, and then we'll put it out at right. normal time of what you would typically experience for physical media. Uh, I don't know, but but like yeah, like you said, you know, Universal Studios
1: they have a massive library of oh my you gosh. know movies that they could typically i mean in the near future they could give them all these films they could put out with a 4k release so they would be sitting on a lot of they'd be sitting on a lot of films yeah that they could put out so So, yeah i
0: how this is going to work because i'm i'm reading through this article a little bit it says this this new deal is somewhat similar to universal's current arrangement i wonder when their current arrangements expire because their current ones are with hbo um yeah so like they've got release uh streaming films that go to hbo and their illumination titles like Despicable Me and the Minions and and whatever those go to Netflix. So I wonder if th- when those expire, that's when this kicks in and all things go to Peacock.
1: Yeah, yeah, I, I I'd say that's probably what the deal is with that. They'll uh, end up going, yeah, just straight to Peacock under a universal deal.
0: Yeah, that'll be interesting. I, I guess we'll we'll learn more yeah. as um, as they make those changes. I hope, and I but, I, would, yeah. I, I would um. I don't know, man. It seems like there's a lot of physical media that are, are, like, a lot with like the 4K Ultra HD. A lot of releases that are coming this year, and a lot that are being released this fall. So I would, I yeah. would be real surprised if they moved away from physical media.
1: Yeah, you're right because that, that's, that's
0: where they, they make a
1: lot of their money—not just in theaters, but on their physical media. Because, like we've said. Universal I mean next to Disney Universal Studios is probably one of the top 2 studios in the world oh yeah when it comes to movie movie production so they would be throwing a lot of money away if they did shy away from the physical media so I think yeah. you're right on that I yeah, it's we'll just, just we'll have to deal. see
0: yeah we'll just have to wait and see what what comes of it I mean we're halfway through 2021 2022 is yeah. upon us and We'll see what next year holds, and, and especially with some of these big, big companies like that uh, really moving to streaming services. And you look at Paramount, Paramount has their own, right? They Just like Disney, oh, yeah. the, all these plus streaming services that yeah. they're moving towards. Um, I really hope it doesn't affect physical media because, I mean, that, like oh, we said, that. that's the way we like to enjoy it. But like I had mentioned earlier, I mean, they put some special features on some of these movies from the the big companies uh, but it's usually your boutique labels that do the extended oh, wow. job of going yeah going all out of interviewing the directors the the actors and actresses and and even the uh, like we talked about in the last episode the makeup artist and everybody that's oh, yeah. involved and you really get the full story of how that movie was put together and and yep. what it took to really make it and I, you know, we're just not getting those from the big big players. We're we're getting those from the boutique labels. Yeah, because you know, like new releases that
1: we've seen over the past few years, new releases that come out on a Blu-ray or 4K release. It's just the movie with like two or three deleted scenes. Like you said, these boutique labels they go all out with audio commentaries where they're literally when the movie you're watching the movie they're discussing the movie right. Yeah. In, you know, for the listener, it's the best way to experience a film either modern classic or whatever it 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 is it's the best way Or these releases these special collector's edition releases there's no other way to experience films so yeah Yeah. you're right they're they're doing they're doing something right those boutique labels
0: it yeah i and i think um there are they are what keeps the physical media alive i i feel um and are the ones that really release a lot of the good stuff that really nobody else is going to release. So that's what that's what's cool about it. So we're in like 20-some minutes into this episode already just talking about the news updates. How about we kick it over to what our topic of today is. And if you caught episode two, we kind of gave you the cliffhanger of what we were going to be talking about today. Because the actor that was in one of the films that we just briefly touched on last episode is who we want to talk about today. Because this guy is all things 80s, right? He is TV, movies, and uh, when when he got when he came into the the picture in the 80s, man, he was doing a lot. And Ryan, I know this, this actor is probably your favorite actor, um, and you you can correct me there, but I would say he's probably your favorite actor. He's one of my favorite actors because he's in one of my favorite movies or trilogies, or uh, trilogy of movies, and we'll get to that in a minute too. But here's what we're going to talk about today. Michael J. Fox. And Ryan, I know you are you know a lot about this guy because you, you've you read his books, you've followed him for a long time, and you've probably watched every movie he's made. You know movies I didn't even know he was in, uh, even some horror-type uh, flicks, and got me on to some of the TV shows and, and things like that that he's been involved with. But to get us started in just kind of talking about Michael J. Fox, what got you interested in this guy? What was the movie or TV show that really got you following him as an actor?
1: Yeah, so when you mentioned this to me about possibly doing an episode on Michael J. Fox, I just, it definitely, you pulled me in right away because this guy, I can't say enough about him. I guess I'll go to the very beginning of how I was introduced to him. So this story, I don't know. I mean, it's, it might age you a little bit. I don't know. But this, it involves you. And and it kind of involves physical media. So this is this would be a good story. So I'll take you back. It was 2002. Uh, so 19 years ago, Christmas of 2002, my brother gets the first – release of the Back to the Future trilogy on DVD in a real neat collection. It has this almost like holographic slip case and a re- it's just a really neat collector's edition. And And I wish I still had it. I think I ended up selling it years ago to, to a just replay, but it was a really neat collection. So you... Got that for Christmas that year, two thousand two, and I'd heard I you know before two thousand two, I've heard here and there. I mean, I'm I'd be twelve, I was twelve years old, but I'd heard a little bit about the movie Back to the Future, but I'd never sit down and completely watch the movie from start to finish. When you got that for Christmas, because this collection, I mean, it loaded. We we're we're you know talking about special features. This collection had hours and it has hours and hours of special features. So i dove right into it and i was hooked completely hooked and mesmerized by michael j fox the actor because like you said he when when someone talks about the 80s he's the only one that comes to my mind he's the epitome of the decade that was the 80s he embodied the 80s i'm every single film he was in, in the eighties, it, he transcend. I mean, when he came on the, on the screen, it, it was just like, hit I me. Mean, he had you glued. You, you had to really focus and pay attention because yeah, he was such a great actor in those films, but yeah, back to the future did it for me. Uh, And specifically your first Back to the Future collection, because I know over these past few years you've been collecting the anniversary sets that typically come out every you know five years. But when he go ahead, yeah, yeah,
0: when when I hear this. hear me i just get super excited when i hear that theme i i go back to uh when we were young so i just got back from florida i took my kids to universal studios and i actually was able to ride the et ride again uh at, and i think that's really one of the only ones that is still around of of the of, of when i was a kid you were a, a little kid of yeah. what what we had rode back then because back then they had they had et they had back to the future they had uh the bates motel and the house that set up on the hill and it was so neat and and it reminds i always think about that because it, it really gave me a lasting impression. I think I was probably my son's age at the time. You were probably like, what, five years old, four or five years old. Yeah. Maybe even younger. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. A little, little kid. And I remember that ride back to the future. And I I didn't really, at the time, I, I know I had probably seen bits or pieces of the movie and just going on that ride, I I was it was really for the time an amazing type ride and and one that is really kind of modeled after with a lot of the new rides that uh, my daughter and I had rode here recently at Universal with a lot of the three uh, D motions and, and you're in a vehicle and and you're looking at a screen and it's taking you through a movie or or what have you and that was kind of one of the first that did did that type of thing. And I remember riding that ride and it was so cool. And then I got to watch those films. And I, like you said, it just hooks you in. And as yeah. I, I got older, I've always collected them. Like I've, I'm sitting right here. I've got a flux capacitor set that I yeah. think was like the 30th anniversary of the, the blue. Yeah. 30th anniversary of the trilogy and comes with like the cartoons. And I recently picked up the 35th anniversary of the Steelbooks of the 4K editions of Back to the Future. Because like you, I was hooked to this movie. And as you got older and and watched it multiple times, it's something that you watch all the time. And it's just so impressive of how they took that film, moved into the future, went back in time and seeing themselves and how all those stories work together. It's just an impressive uh, trilogy of films. And the crazy thing is Michael J. Fox wasn't even uh, the first guy that was going to be considered for Marty, right?
1: Yeah. So uh, this other actor, the producer and director, Bob Gale and Robert Zemeckis, originally they were going with Uh, a young actor by the name of uh, eric stoltz who had signed on with universal and they had actually had gotten through a month and a half of filming six weeks of filming in today's (laughs) age you could film an entire movie in six weeks or less they had filmed scenes six weeks worth and at the time eric stoltz wasn't the guy he really honestly originally wanted to go with because he had his heart set on michael j fox but the thing was michael j fox the number one tv star at the time he was in the middle of filming family ties but robert zemeckis knew that universal studio would clash with paramount studio that Mm -hmm. family ties was filmed on but he just knew it just wasn't jiving wasn't working with uh eric stoltz and christopher lloyd um he, he would watch those dailies back at the end of the end of the night and just realized that this movie this movie's gonna fall apart if we can't get michael j fox because zemeckis saw in fox just by seeing him on that hit show family ties he brought this it's something you can't teach it's it's one of those like intangibles it's it's what you have a connection with another actor or actress it's it's what everyone cause a chemistry between two two great actors and actresses so uh zemeckis just decided hey i'm gonna give gary goldberg a call who it, at the time was the creator and producer of family ties like mm-hmm. gary goldberg and asked him hey is there any way we could work a schedule out so i can get this guy because he needs to be in this film so long story short uh zemeckis made the deal uh, between Paramount and Uni- Universal. Uh, Goldberg signed off on it, and Michael J. Fox spent about two months working nonstop, 24 hours a day, filming a television show and a feature film, and it ended up leading... Believe it or not, he holds one of the... I believe he might be the only one with this record. Uh, I could be wrong, but at the time when Back to the Future was released and came out, that same week, he had the number one film in the entire world and the number one television show mm. in the entire world, both in the same week. Now, how That's impressive crazy. is that yeah, so, for,
0: for an actor? So that was in 1985, right? Let's Let's go yeah. back... Nat, so yeah. so that's what hooked you in, right? So let's go back to even earlier for, for Michael J. Fox, because we talk a lot about horror movies and, and all of that, uh, and a lot of movies in the early, uh, late 70s, early 80s. So I'm looking at just kind of a summary of his early career. So his, what was one of his first movies was Midnight Madness? Is that right? Yeah. In yeah, ni- ma- 1980.
1: Yeah he was oh gosh he was he'd have been oh and is probably young probably teenager maybe so he was maybe, born
0: born june 9th of 1961 so yeah he would have been 19
1: yeah yeah or yeah her late teens yeah yeah uh that was because he came from he uh was born and uh, raised in canada uh which a lot of people don't know that but yeah he's he's from canada and moved moved over he moved out to california uh Hmm. with not really uh any plans like his goal or his whole ambition was to just make a name for himself and to try to land anything whether it be a television show or a feature film or a commercial or just any any kind of work but he yeah he he fell in love with films and he wanted to try to make a name for himself so uh i think you know starting out yeah he here and there i think he did commercials but that was the movie you just mentioned midnight madness that was uh what really got him kick-started uh, yeah probably his first
0: for him his first uh major uh role in a film um so so then he he was in class of 1984 right so that was a 1982 movie
1: yes that is so i'm glad you brought that one up because that's uh among the community of because so that movie uh class of 1984 it was released it didn't have like like a lot of movies it it flopped it, it, it didn't have a big yeah. didn't have a big opening it didn't have a big box office but years later people discovered it and started watching it and viewing it and it created a cult following and yeah. now that movie is considered a cult classic and yes, I have, I own it. I have it. I have it on uh, well, Blu-ray. It's and it's a great film.
0: I think it's a. Uh, is it a Scream Factory release as well? I believe Shout yeah. Factory put it out.
1: I think yeah, it is. Yeah, I. Th- I think my copy that was just a regular blu-ray but i don't yeah i think shout or scream scream factor i think you're right a couple years ago they put out a release of it i think so uh, because it's it's uh it's a real i mean it was a real like cutthroat in your face uh uh film about anarchy about you know about kids going going up against the system so it really played uh, i years later i think it played well A, a lot of people when they found out about it and started watching it and they discovered it it, it it you know it created this following but uh it became a yeah i, th- I think a, a, a kind of a a, cl- a classic film in the sense that um even though it's called the class of 1984 yeah it's it's very much in that same vein a very classic uh 80s film
0: for sure so so from there a couple years later no same, same. About the same year, right? Nineteen eighty-two. Is that when Family Ties uh, got started? Because it ran yeah. f- for what seven seasons? Yeah, seven, It ran, yeah, seven seasons. Uh, and it was
1: a full, full slate. I mean, I think they did close to two, or maybe a little over hundred, a little over one hundred and eighty episodes. I mean, because they put out every season was a full. It was a full order. Uh, either twenty-two or twenty-four episodes. It was no half. It was no. There was no. See. Family Ties was very successful. Very successful because yeah, they didn't have like a mid-season uh, premiere because a lot of shows these days they put them out mid-season just because they don't want to do a full order because a lot of these studios know their audience. If 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 they put out a full order of a show and it's starting to tank or bomb after th- third or fourth episode, they get to the tail end of that season and they're not going to have any viewers. So, cause they have, they have customers that they have to, uh, listen to because they have people advertising during mm-hmm. those during those programs so it was pretty neat to see family ties go on the run that it did for seven i mean that's a long time for a sick especially a sitcom that's a long time to uh to run um, uh from a studio for seven seasons uh, yeah. but yeah for it was in 1982 to i think it ended uh went off there in 1989 into the decade and that's what made it a great uh I just want to touch real quick on it it made it a great television show because not only it stretched the entire decade uh, but it was very um, it was it was very I consider it very contemporary. I mean they talked a lot about uh, during that time those days like it was they talked about modern topics um,
0: yeah very politi- reason- political too
1: yeah. That, that's what I was about to say. So the reason I got kind of so into politics was because of this television show, because the yeah. character Michael J. Fox portrayed made me very interested in politics. Yeah. So he know. was a
0: young Republican with a hippie family, right? So it was the hit parents and the square kids. <laughs> yeah. That's how they, that's how they uh, pitched the show, right?
1: Oh yeah. But, butted heads over uh, so many things and that's what made it entertaining. Not only funny, but uh very entertaining. The guy that played his father, Michael Gross, who's a well known actor at the time, they just just like Michael J. Fox had with Christopher Lloyd in in the back to future films, yeah. he had he had great chemistry with 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 him. So but yeah, they that was such a good dynamic because yeah, they having those you know, you can only you can only take a story so far, or you can only carry a storyline so far. You got to have, you got to have great characters. Yeah. You got to have those people in those roles to, um, to, to make it entertaining to, to see it through because if you don't have those people there then you're not you're not you're not gonna have an audience there
0: so I don't know if uh, family ties is on Paramount plus but I pulled this off the shelf too I've got seasons one through seven in physical media from Paramount and CBS DVD that I can watch anytime and I know you can find these so uh, I encourage you yeah. go get the family ties full complete collection uh you can get the complete series on dvd and it's a yes. great one it's got a little bit of uh, oh, yeah. special features that come along with it oh, too. oh yeah
1: yeah yeah i definitely recommend that that briefcase edition i'll tell you what
0: <laughs> well mine's not the briefcase edition mine's the uh mine's just in a slip box it's got two big cases and it's got it looks like my michael holding like a picture frame of the family in his sweater and tie yeah.
1: so yeah but yeah it's um show and i don't want to i want to mention this i guess i'm gonna i want to plug this too real quick because i heard about it i seen it advertised a few days ago and i think a lot of people would find it interesting uh and i think it premieres it comes out this sunday on the uh so cable news network cnn is putting out a brand new uh it's like a documentary series i don't know how many episodes it's going to run but i find it I think it'll be really interesting to watch. And it, I think the first first episode comes out this Sunday. It's called History of the Sitcom. And I think it'd be a great view for anyone who's a fan of cold, old classic sitcom television shows. Anything from the 70s to the 80s to the 90s. So cool. Um, I guess that's my cheap plug. But I, I think it'd be a great uh, view for anybody. And
0: when When is that?
1: Uh, I think it, I believe it premieres this Sunday night at nine o'clock on CNN. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's called uh, History of the, of the Sitcom. So cool. they're going to have actual actors and actresses who have starred and have been a part of these sitcoms being sit down and interviewed. So almost, you know, a talking head kind of mm-hmm. documentary style. So I think a lot of people who who are fans of these sitcoms mm-hmm. would find it you know, very interesting. So I'm kind of looking forward to, I think I'm going to tune in Sunday night for it.
0: Cool. All right. So that takes us. family ties, takes us from 82 to 89. And like you had mentioned a little bit ago, his blockbuster hit, uh, came in 1985, right. With back to the future. This I think is what catapulted him, into stardom and uh, really set in motion a lot of the future films and a lot of the other work that that would happen. I mean, Back to the Future had had parts one, two, and three, which he was in each one of them as Marty McFly. But in 1985, this was really like we talked about earlier. It wasn't even going to be him, but thank god they casted him for that part <laughs> yeah. because he was perfect for it but he was doing that in the midst of uh family ties like you had mentioned so let's talk about back to the future for a little bit yeah like you
1: said so those three films, the the name back to the future it as soon as that film came out and opened uh, Michael J. Fox, he he instantly became a household name. Every, everybody knew who Michael J. Fox was. Uh, and another person who everyone knew, uh, even though uh, years later, his name came into the news and, and it wasn't in a good way, but everyone knew John DeLorean. Uh, his, I mean, oh, yeah. his name became a household name because of DeLorean. There, there's, yeah, hey, Fox, so there's...
0: Just real quick on that. I've seen... Yeah. Uh, I think it's Shout Factory has a documentary uh, on the DeLorean. So I haven't seen it, don't have it, but thought that was pretty interesting. might be interesting to watch. What's it called? I forget uh, what it's called. I, I've just seen it as I've kind of looked through. Give me a minute. I can I can look it up here I, in just a second. Because I, since we're talking about DeLorean, a while back I, I bought, uh, it
1: actually was a newer release. It didn't come out in theaters, but it was, Release. It was straight to phys- It was a physical media release last year. It was. Uh, you're probably. It's probably the same thing. Alec Baldwin. I, Alec Baldwin. Okay. Um, and it kind of takes you through the history of him with that.
0: That's it. Dolor yeah. It's fra- framing John Delorean.
1: Okay. That's that's what I have. It's yeah, put okay, out by Shout yeah, Factory. Yeah. Shout. I guess. Yeah. Shout did put it out. I bought it. It came out last year. Yeah. Uh, Sometime in 2020,
0: yeah. Yeah, October. Uh, uh, I, th- I think 2019. October okay, 1st, okay, 2019. Yeah. And yeah, it was put out by Shout Factory, the uh, studio.
1: I, I highly recommend it. It has a great audio okay. commentary on it as well. But yeah, framing John DeLorean. That's it. Yeah. Okay.
0: All right. Anyways, back to Michael J. Fox. Back to yeah. the future. So
1: Yeah. So as soon as he signed on, I mean, he knew who, what he was going up against. He's filming. Five days a week, a hit television show in Family Ties on Paramount lot. He's about to start filming uh, a feature film with director, famed director, because he he put out two films before this. and, And before Back to the Future, after putting out these two films, Robert Zemeckis finally got backing and got with steven spielberg because he a lot of and a lot of people don't know this but yeah steven spielberg he helped produce back to the future he he didn't yeah he he didn't he didn't have nothing to do with the directing but he he played a role in producing those three films so so yeah michael j fox he knew what he was going up against so he had talked with his producer of family ties at gary goldberg and Goldberg said it was, you know, it was an opportunity of a lifetime and he didn't want to hold Michael J. Fox back and he said you, you can do it. I'm all for it. You, you just you're committed to this Paramount Studio though. You're committed to the show. Family ties comes first. And Michael J. Fox, you know, he man of his word, so he he's he would shoot Family Ties during the day for I believe 10 to 12 hours. And then he would get, he'd have a driver. He, he, What was funny about this. So he would leave after filming family ties during the day. He'd leave Paramount lot. Someone would pick him up after filming, you know, 10 hours on the show family ties. He'd get picked up and driven over to university. Cause see, back in the eighties, the, these two studios, they were not too far from each other out in California. They were, you know, down the road. Yeah. Uh, so he'd get driven down to Universal a lot and Michael J. Fox would film like eight hours at night of back to So Michael J. Fox was working, I mean he was working 18, 19 hours a day for five days straight. He said uh, I'd read once in an interview, not only his interview, not only this interview, but also in his books that he he would uh, he would show up to family Ties set with his Marty McFly <laughs> video camera then he would show up at back to the future with his alex p Keaton briefcase <laughs> so if that ain't signs of delusion
0: yeah, i don't yeah. know what it yeah, yeah, yeah he
1: just, he he wasn't he wasn't getting any sleep but he was committed and he he got it done though yeah and
0: had to be wore what, out
1: oh yeah oh definitely that's a lot i mean not only i mean for 5 you know, 5 days a week 5 days straight you know 19 hours a day that's that's very demanding for a person and but he was committed. I mean, he was young, he was hungry, he was looking mm-hmm. for anything to grab a hold of. And I'm glad he did because the end the end product at the end of this of him because see, Back to the Future Part One came out in nineteen eighty five. Yeah. I believe it was July third, July yeah, July third. It was like right before the holiday. Uh, it was so successful that uh universal wanted two sequels so in at the time bob gamble robbers Zemeckis, i mean they, they when they shot and filmed back to the future they didn't write it thinking that, i mean that was it they they mm-hmm. weren't, they didn't write back to the future for it to have sequels they wrote it as a one sto- a one piece story so they had to come up with these sequels and they wrote them quick and they were uh back to features part two and three were filmed simultaneously they were filmed back to back yeah and they were released uh back to back years the tail end of the 80s part two coming out in 89 and part three coming out in 90
0: yeah Um, yeah it was so we had a few year span there between part one and part two but yeah part two and three were just back to back yeah um, so let's keep and, let's keep rolling um, real quick because I want to get to yeah. something else with Michael J Fox and we're we're on we're almost to an hour now so we'll need to wrap up here soon but I I want to just highlight a couple other big movies one we touched on um, well not really big movies um, but one we touched on that was somewhat big uh, is Teen Wolf and then yeah. between so between uh, Back to the Future 1, and Part 2, he did Teen Wolf, Light of Day, The Secret of My Success, Bright Lights, Big City, and Casualties of War. That was all leading up to 1989, and then 89 was Back to the Future 2, 80 or 1990 was Back to the Future 3. Now, what I wanted to touch on, a little bit in the 90s, so one movie that... It, I wasn't aware of. Now he's got a lot of other movies. So like in '91, yeah. Doc Hollywood, um, he starred in, and uh, great great film by the way. Doc yeah, Hollywood really. for it sure. Needs a,
1: it needs a it needs a shout release. I'm just throwing that out there.
0: For sure. <laughs> um, let's see, uh, the Hard Way also released in '91. For Love or Money '93. Life with Mickey '93. Greedy '94. Uh, The American President, 95, Mars Attacks, 96. I mean, the list goes on. The Frighteners is one I wasn't aware of, though, in 96 that you had mentioned to me that I picked up in physical uh, media copy. Haven't had a chance to watch yet, uh, but one that I wasn't aware of. So kind of like a little bit of a horror type movie, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, The Frighteners, it's... So Michael J. Fox, he kind of went back, went to work with an old... Friend, you know hit The that film is directed by Robert Zemeckis. Zemeckis, the studio came to him wanting this kind of, I guess you could call it a hybrid kind of horror and mm-hmm. comedy. Yeah, yeah. It's it kind of takes that ghost story and um, makes it at that time very contemporary. Uh, it was a modern modern twist on it and. Uh, it may, I feel like, I feel like it makes for a great Halloween season viewing film because it's a very
0: family, very, very family oriented film. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, uh, like you say, you had recommended it for me to pick up and that, so that was in 96 and, uh. Picked it up. I wasn't even aware of it. Haven't had a chance yet to watch it, but hoping to really watch that come this fall. Cause I, I do agree. I think it's more of a Halloween geared time period piece that, uh, looking forward to, to watching with the kids. Yeah. So real quick, since we're getting close to an hour on this episode, which is longer than we've typically gone, but there's so much to cover um, oh, yeah. And I think, I think an hour is not nearly enough to cover all of uh, what Michael J. Fox has done just in film and TV. But I wanted to talk about, obviously, what probably most, maybe not all, are aware of his struggles with Parkinson's disease. So in 1991, he, he started to get early onset of uh, Parkinson's disease while shooting Doc Hollywood. And I know you've followed a lot of that as well. Um, can you just kind of talk to us about his experience? Also some of the other things that are uh, kind of around that and the foundation that he established for Parkinson's disease.
1: Yeah. Uh, like you said, it was the film Doc Hollywood. He he was in the middle of, in the middle of filming Doc Hollywood This would have been, came out in 91. So he was filming in 1990. And he would have been, oh gosh, he would have been, he'd been right around 30 years old, I think. Yeah. Yeah,
0: If he was born in 61, yeah, he'd have been 29, almost 30.
1: Yeah, almost 30. And he was starting to uh, experience symptoms of that Parkinson's, which, if a lot of people don't know, uh, one of the major symptoms of, disease diseases uh twitching of of your body be it your hand your fingers your feet your ears your eyes your head i mean any part of your body almost have a uh, a trigger or or a like i said a twitch or a constant a constant motion in the early stages it, it wasn't i mean he could control it it rapidly uh got worse to where yeah he started taking medication for it. Uh, but in the beginning, he, he could control it. Uh, he actually, yeah, what a lot of people don't know, yeah, he, he hid it for a few years. Like, he, did, he didn't tell anybody about it. He didn't let anybody know until, uh, I want to say it was mid-90s, maybe. Uh, he finally came out with it. it he uh, addressed it in a national interview. And because it really, it bothered him not only because... I mean it bothered him not only how he lived it affected him day to day but it bothered him that wow I mean he he, for the first time he questioned you know am I going to be able to do what I love doing now Uh, am I going to have a career anymore Uh, and I think he did he struggled with that Uh, like the film The Frighteners he had a hard time I think on set Uh, he didn't let anybody know but um, yeah that really played in played with his head uh because he i mean i i honestly feel yeah. out uh like right now if he could be working and making television and making films he'd be doing it right now i mean because that's uh, that's why he got into the business i mean he he thoroughly enjoyed making uh making films and and television shows so yeah i think he was very disappointed that uh he got to a point uh I probably i want to say early 2000s because see early 2000s he was actually in the middle of a hit television show um, so after he found huge success with family ties he stumbled across i'm pretty sure it was abc studios he signed on uh to a television show called uh, spin city spin city was also so the guy that produced and created family ties gary goldberg he was shooting this little show called spin city and the premise of the show was about a guy who is the deputy mayor who works for the mayor of the city of new york uh but yeah the show was called spin city and uh it kind of caught on and I had a pretty big audience, pretty big following. Uh, it was on air for gosh, I want to say maybe f- five years. So I had like five seasons, but anyways, Michael, he started off filming that show and, uh, about, I want to say three seasons in three years in, he could, he just, he couldn't deal with the symptoms. He couldn't act with those the symptoms of Parkinson's. So he kind of, he quietly stepped away, uh, during the middle the filming. I mean, because when he stepped away from that show, *Spin City*, it was still they, it, it was at the height of its popularity. I mean, it had a huge it had a huge audience, um, and so this was two thousand two. So I'd say two thousand two was the re- another reason not only why he stepped away from acting and whatnot, just because he couldn't deal with the symptoms, but he wanted to focus more on. I think he felt like his yeah his career in TV and film was over, so he kind of wanted to focus on his post career, which was uh, starting up and working uh, on building up his foundation that the Michael J. Fox Foundation.
0: So he it was go ahead. He yeah. wrote he wrote he's written a couple books too, uh, actually a few, and so his first book, Lucky Man it really focused on that, right, um, how his denial of his disease and substance or alcohol abuse up until that point um, really kind of pushed him to create this foundation and to the point where he uh, provided testimony before the Senate Appropriations Subcommittee in 1999, and at that point, so he was on medication but had Right before that testimony, stopped medication prior to it to show the effects that uh, the effects that Parkinson's disease has on the body. And I know he had partnered with Muhammad Ali to testify um, because Muhammad Ali had struggled with that as well. I know they had teamed up to really. Try to attack this, and with Michael J. Fox, that is the sole focus of the foundation, right? Oh
1: yeah, the their research. I mean, they've he has spent ever since then. I want to say, yeah, late nineties, he had spent his whole life. I mean, dedicated to uh, not only finding a cure but uh, helping uh, every anyone, everyone uh, with this disease because it's a it's a growing. Um, it's a growing problem and it's a grow. I mean it there's I don't know the exact number or figure, but yeah there's millions of you know people that um, uh, have Parkinson's and his research team yeah they've uh, they've they've raised I can't remember what the figure is, but they've it, raised
0: quite it, a bit of money It's over. One billion dollars has been funded wow. in research programs to date. I'm wow. on, I'm on his site right now, so I want to, I want to plug that. Go check out Michael J. Fox. That's 1x on fox. dot org, and you can see all the latest updates on um, Parkinson's disease research programs and even opportunities to donate to those research efforts. to Fight and combat um, Parkinson's disease uh, because it is truly a a very serious uh, disease and one that uh, Michael J. Fox has struggled with for some time. And even in the midst of struggling with that disease has continued on and made films and starred in, in films, done documentaries and continues to do work up until... Uh, here recently so I know he's got he's been in episodes of shows so his work continues um, as well as his fight to combat Parkinson's disease so I encourage you to check that out it's michaeljfox.org uh, you can get a lot of information there a lot of research information as well as uh, the opportunity to donate so as we wrap up this episode Ryan let's um, I, ju- I just want to say there's not enough time for us to cover all that he's done, because uh, this man has done so much in his life. Uh, he has a whole filmography that you need to check out. Multiple films per year from 1980, as we've talked, up until 2019 with uh, cameos and also acting um, uh, characters that he's been involved with, as well as television from 1977 uh, up until 2020. So check him out. Um, he is one of the great actors, definitely of the 80s, but carrying even into today's time and one that uh, has a great fight with the disease that he struggles with, but does not let, him, let it hold him back. So just to encourage everybody out there, check out his site. Check out the films that he's been involved with because there's so much we could talk about. Uh, definitely worth devoting this full episode to him. Um, sorry, it's gone long, but there's so much that, that we cover with Michael J. Fox. And I think it's been a really good episode. And I know Ryan, this is, is your favorite actor. Definitely one of mine. Definitely, uh, my favorite films that he's been involved with and been the lead character of. So I think this is, has been a great discussion and still a lot for us to look into and, and the listeners as well. Go check out all things, Michael J. Fox that are out there. So we wrap up this episode, Ryan, uh, anything you want to mention as we uh, come to a close?
1: Yeah, uh, as you said, you plugged all of his films for people to check out, but I also want to plug, well, and plugged his foundation too, because, yeah, they do just amazing work over these last 20-some years. Uh, the work that he's put into it, not only from him, but... All of his partners, they've like you said, raised a, a billion, billion dollars. That's that's just astonishing to think they've raised that much money, and it can, that work continues to this day. But so yeah, I just want to real quick, yeah, plug his. You'd mention all all of his films for people to check out, but yeah, I just want to plug his the books that he's that he's written. Oh yeah, you mentioned you mentioned Lucky Man, uh, which is a great read. But the books following that, uh, one which is I highly recommend, uh, always looking up. It's the one that came out after Lucky Man, and it's just uh, it's about him having a positive outlook on life, how he lives life now with that disease. But yeah, I definitely recommend his his books.
0: For sure. Um, that, that's a great point. I, I The guy has done so much. Just so impressive from the early start of being so young and getting into television and uh, into film and then uh, what he's done for uh, the health research in Parkinson's and his writing and material that he's got to offer. There's so much that you can can dig in with Michael J. Fox. And and that's what this episode's about. We're encouraging you. Check the guy out. We know you've heard of him. But there's so much um, to offer uh, with this guy. So putting the plugs out there for him. Uh, We appreciate you guys hanging in there with us this long. Uh, Not all episodes will be this long, but definitely one deserving of the time spent to discuss Michael J. Fox. So I'm thinking... Ryan, uh, next episode, there's been some documentaries that uh, have been released over the last couple years. One that is expected to come out that covers the 80s, all things horror. Uh, Also, one that's expected to come out uh, that covers all things 80s sci-fi. And it's one that you actually have your name in the credits for on a couple of these. So here's what I want us to uh, think about for episode number four, In Search of Darkness. Episode one, episode two, and soon to be released, episode three, covers all things... 80s horror, I recently missed the opportunity to get the physical form of these, but do have the digital form, and when episode uh, 3, or part 3, is released, and they have the option to purchase 1 and 2 along with it, I will be doing so, but I know you've got physical copies of parts 1 and 2. I was thinking, let's, uh, for episode 4, let's talk about these documentaries that have been released for... In Search of Darkness, all things 80s horror. What's your thoughts?
1: I think it'd be, yeah, that'd be a great topic to dissect. And because uh, those documentaries, like you mentioned, uh, I mean, it's they cover uh, f- from A to Z, like so many from classic to independent to iconic 80s horror films in those documentaries. So I think, yeah, having a discussion about those films would be, yeah, I, I think it'd be a, Uh, a great topic.
0: Cool. All right. So we're not going to give any more away until next time. Episode four, uh, we're going to get in search of darkness and have a deep discussion there. Uh, Been a great episode, everybody. We appreciate you hanging out with us for over an hour now, uh, but definitely one that has been a great discussion. And hopefully you get, Uh, Digging in a little bit on all things Michael J. Fox. From movies, TV, foundation to books, everything in between. Uh, Please provide us some comments. Give us some, some thoughts, ideas. Check us out on all platforms for uh, the podcast, all previous episodes. Give us a like. Give us a subscribe. That way you get all the latest content that comes out. And uh, check us out on social media. Until next time, hope you guys take care. Uh, Catch some some physical media. uh, Buys or pull something off the shelf to check out in physical media form. Until next time, everybody, thanks for hanging with us. Peace out.